Philemon is often taken as a book that shows how Christians can humbly settle conflict between themselves, and how to reconcile brothers in conflict. But this epistle is more than that, as I'll proceed to try to prove this here. As we know, the common story is about the runaway slave Onesimus who somehow makes his way to the Apostle Paul, ministers to him, and is sent back by Paul to his master, Philemon. Some commentators think Onesimus embezzled his master and escaped. This picture is however, in my humble opinion difficult, and I propose to challenge this, because why would a runaway, thieving slave resort to Paul whom he would have recognized as the person who established the house church in his master's residence? Just as criminals evade law enforcers justice, so a sinner would naturally avoid Christians. My take, therefore, is that there was a reason why Onsimus fled. Could it be that Philemon still had some weakness in his character, and somehow maltreated Onsimus for whatever reason, perhaps even trying to unjustly implicate or blame him in a loss or damage of some personal property? Having been exposed to Middle Eastern culture, I have seen Asian housemaids charged with a crime they have not committed, usually theft, whose only sin was that they no longer wanted their employment contract renewed. These employers feel offended by this resignation, and they turn vengeful on their former employee, sometimes even making it difficult for the housemaid by withholding her passport and salary. A simple visit to any consulate or embassy in any Middle Eastern, Arab, country will disclose the hordes of Asian maids who have escaped their employers because of maltreatment and abuse, and sought help and shelter in the consulate, embassy, so they could perhaps collect what is due to them and finally return to their home countries. Perhaps this is due to the teaching in Islam that allows, encourages, Muslims to own slaves. Perhaps what still prevails in these Arabs' minds, is that these housemaids are not employees, but slaves. Where is this? The place Colossi was a city of southwestern Phrygia in Asia Minor, near Konai, Turkey, not far from the rivers Lycos and Meander. In antiquity, Colossi was on the trade route, from Ephesus to the Euphrates River, heading east and was a very important city, and therefore its inhabitants most likely would have been influenced by Arabic culture. What could have happened? If this is so, it would have been right for Onsimus to be afraid for his life. But because Onsimus does not hate his master, he flees to Paul, wanting to clear his name with some other respectable Christian to mediate, so he would be restored to a peaceful relationship with his master. In the process, he gets converted, perhaps was already converted in Philemon's house, becomes useful in Paul's ministry, and finally is sent back to Philemon with this letter. This letter is therefore, a loving rebuke to Philemon, and commands him to comply without resorting to any disciplinary measure or public censure. Of course, we do not know if both were actually reconciled, or if Onsimus was received back by Philemon, but tradition has it that Onsimus later on became a prominent minister in the early church. Let's go through the letter, and see if this scenario pans out as plausible, and see how this scenario is explained in the letter itself. Here's how it goes. Greater than, Philemon 1-1-2 Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy our brother, to Philemon our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. The opening address straightaway hints at something out of the ordinary. Paul always addresses his pastoral epistles to churches as a whole, and when he writes to individuals, it's to only one person. But this is the only letter of Paul where it is curiously addressed to a wife, a church leader, and to the entire congregation, you might want to compare this opening address with Romans 1-7, 1 Corinthians 1-2, 2 Corinthians 1-1, Galatians 1-2, Ephesians 1-1, Philippians 1-1, Colossians 1-2, 1 Thessalonians 1-1. See also Paul's personal letters to Timothy and Titus, 2 Timothy 1-2, Titus 1-4. Apphia is thought by some commentators to be the wife of Philemon. Archippus appears in two places in the New Testament. One here, and the other in Colossians 4-17. 
Commentators think he was probably a church leader in the house church in Colossae which met in the house of Philemon. Greater than, Philemon 1-3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that grace is almost always used by Paul to mean as God's enablement or empowerment. Paul, therefore, blesses Philemon with grace to enable him to accept and absorb the contents of this letter. He wraps up this letter with another release of grace found at the last verse of this epistle. Greater than, Philemon 1 4-8, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Paul expresses his love for Philemon, and all the you in these verses are singular, except in verse 6 where Paul reminds Philemon that he is in Christ and that makes it plural. These words are therefore directed to Philemon alone, excluding Apphia and, or Archippus, or the house church members. Paul assures him he has heard good testimony about Philemon's labor, and of his zeal in sharing his faith with others. Paul was prayed in this letter that Philemon's faith be exhibited and activated by recognizing that Christ Jesus is in Philemon, and therefore, should result to obedience to what Paul was about to set down as his command in the following verses. Paul recognizes that Philemon had exhibited the love of God towards the visiting or itinerant evangelists, missionaries who had spoken well about Philemon's hospitality. Paul strengthens him before delivering the medicine. He starts the delivery by saying in verse 8 that, because of these testimonies of your faith and love, I am about to go straight to what I am about to command you, but no, I won't do that. Greater than, Philemon 1-9, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here, this is not a command, but an appeal out of love, if you consider my age, and my status, if you would kindly recall the reason why I am now imprisoned, and it is because I preach the gospel to unsaved people of which you once were. Greater than, Philemon 1:10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. This here, is where the stuff starts getting heavy. Pay attention. Paul calls Onesimus, my son, who came to him in prison, and got saved. Because Philemon is also a fruit of Paul's labor, another son, that makes Philemon and Onesimus spiritual brothers. Remember, this is Paul appealing for love of God to be exercised by Philemon. Paul expects this from the premise he laid down in verses 4 to 8. Greater than, Philemon 1 11 to 12, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. Paul might be repeating the description Philemon gave of Onesimus, perhaps in an unguarded moment, calling him as an unprofitable slave. Notice also that Paul says, whom I have sent again, I conjecture that this was not the first time Onesimus was sent by Paul to Philemon. Perhaps the first one was without a letter. It is also very probable that during the first time, Onesimus did not come alone, but with another brother, they always go in pairs, or as a group for protection and mutual encouragement, to act as witness and report back to Paul of how the reconciliation would go. But that failed, so Paul had to write this letter. So we can see that Paul is following the Lord Jesus' prescription on how to get antipathetic brethren get reconciled, which is recorded in Matthew 18 15-17. The two or three witnesses have been done during the first return, but failed. Now, the matter is being brought to the attention of the church, the very church in Philemon's house. The case has been elevated to the final stage of reconciliation, exactly as prescribed by the Lord Jesus himself. Paul is connecting Philemon and Onesimus with his love for both of them, mine own bowels in the King James Version. Greater than, Philemon 1 13-14, whom I wish to keep with me, 
that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Paul is saying here, you know what? I actually consider Onsimus as your proxy here in the mission field. I would have made him stay because he's been very useful, but I think that would be usurping your relationship with him if you did not give him permission. Greater than, Philemon 1 15-16, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave but more than a slave, a beloved brother especially to me but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is saying, Philemon, just consider Onsimus as having gone on leave for a time, but now he's back to serve you forever. I just hope you don't treat him the same way you treated him before, but now as a beloved brother especially as my own brother. Please treat him as your real brother too, and also as a brother in the Lord. Paul goes on to say, Greater than, Philemon 1:17. if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Philemon was obviously supporting Paul in his missionary journeys, which is why Paul calls him a partner in the ministry. Whenever Paul was in Colossae, he would normally stay in Philemon's house. So Paul is asking him to receive Onsimus as he would Paul, because Onsimus was also actively partnering with Paul in the field. Greater than, Philemon 1:18. but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Here, Paul is saying to Philemon, remember what I taught you about forgiveness. Whatever is the financial worth of the damage on Simus has inflicted on you, put that in a list and let that be my debt to you. Greater than, Philemon 1:19. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. At this point, Paul takes the pen from Timothy's hand and writes these words himself, as proof that it is really him that's saying these words. This is what Paul and the other epistle writers do, at the closing of the letter, they write the closing words themselves. The preceding texts were dictated by the author and handwritten by his secretary, in this case, Timothy. I will repay, not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides. Boom! This is the bombshell for Philemon. Paul is saying, I hope you really do not expect me to pay you what Onsimus owes you, because what you owe me is certainly greater than what you intend to collect. Greater than, Philemon 120 Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in the Lord. Paul then challenges Philemon to refresh him also just as he has done for the other saints who testified of his hospitality and kindness. This was Philemon's moment of truth for his faith and love, proving to Paul that he was really the kind of Christian others had said he was. Greater than, Philemon 1:21, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. This is Paul saying, I know you can do this, Philemon, and that you can surpass my expectations of you as a Christian. Greater than, Philemon 1:22. but, meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Paul changes the topic, relieving the tension after the climactic message has been delivered. Again, he expresses his optimism that Philemon will stay faithful, and will not be resentful towards Paul because of this high-pressure letter, and demonstrate this by saying he expects Philemon to continue praying for Paul's release. Greater than, Philemon 1:23-24, Apophras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demos, Luke, my fellow laborers. Paul lists the witnesses from his side, who are fully aware of the situation between Philemon and Onsimus. This letter is like a court hearing, and Philemon is forced into a corner and has to make a decision between obeying the court's decision and stay in fellowship, or explain to Paul and the church when they meet. Greater than, Philemon 125, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The closing words are again the release of grace for Philemon, that he would abide by the decision made by the group of believers with Paul. Conclusion
only Paul can write like Paul, and we see him exerting his godly influence and authority as an apostle to the Gentiles. He doesn't mince words but neither does he ram it into one's throat without scriptural basis. Jesus also spoke like this, straight to the point, in a very candid manner, and in love. Rarely will you hear a preacher preach as Paul writes. If anyone adapted that style of preaching or writing today, he'll have zero members and followers all throughout his career, never mind the bashing he'll receive from all over the place. Paul becomes aware and is involved in a relational problem, and acts on it as he should because it affects an entire congregation, and more importantly because of his love for these people whom he has ministered to, and of whose spiritual growth and eventual usefulness in the ministry he is deeply concerned about. Paul sees this conflict as a hindrance to the furtherance of the mission, and he won't allow it. Either Philemon will step out of the way, or cooperate in humility after receiving the correction and rebuke from this letter. So, yes, I believe this letter is a loving disciplinary memo for a house church leader who perhaps had just wanted to bury the hatchet without trying to be reconciled to a brother he has harmed, slandered, before God's people, and still continue doing ministry as if nothing has happened. Without Paul stepping in, this would eventually have destroyed Philemon. If you are a minister of the gospel, and you've slandered another Christian to the point that you no longer see each other eye to eye, I urge you by the mercies of God, to humbly ask for God's grace, and be reconciled to your brother.